Can you dream of a world immune to cancer? Hello, everyone. My name is Nick, and I'm the host of the annual live stream for The Cure, where content creators and podcasters from around the world join me to raise money for the Cancer Research Institute and Immunotherapy Research, which is training the body's immune system to fight against all forms of cancer. Over the past seven years, thanks to the power of indie podcasters and the indie podcasting community and listeners just like you listening to this right now, we have raised over $90,000. And as I record this now, the eighth annual live stream for The Cure is barreling down upon us really, really quickly in just about two weeks. So join us, please, from May 29th through June 1st for 48 hours of amazing content from people all over the world and help us fight for a world immune to cancer. And I'll return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Thank you so, so much. And together... We can make a difference. Dear Kevin Feige, I hear you're looking for a new Wolverine for the MCU. No need. There's a perfectly good one right here. Her name is Daphne Keane. Kind regards, everyone who's ever seen Logan. In a world overflowing with movies, we need a hero. Someone to separate the bad from the good. Hi everyone, I'm Em and welcome to Verbal Diorama. This is episode 19 and we're going to be talking about a little movie called Logan and I'm very, very excited to talk about Logan. But, um, oh my God, (laughs) what a couple of weeks. Um, So I guess the first thing I should mention is Film Stories magazine. So I mentioned last episode that I met Simon Brew and he's a very nice chap and he ended up offering me a column. I'm not quite sure how that happened um, other than we were kind of emailing back and forth. I was kind of giving him some ideas and he just kind of said, oh, by the way, do you want a column? Um, So I said, yes, please. And um, so it's going to be on independent podcasting and I'm basically going to be talking a little bit about what it's like being um, a podcaster and also recommending fellow great indie movie podcasts that I think really deserve recognition. Um, Honestly, I'm still kind of pinching myself a little bit, but we've actually just finalised the final edit, I guess, of my first uh, column. (laughs) Crikey. Um, And so I guess that'll be in the next issue. I'm so grateful for the opportunity and obviously um, highly recommend you support Film Stories magazine. It is completely independent and it relies on people subscribing and buying it essentially. Um, So please do. And I'll basically remind everyone at the end of this episode so that you don't forget. The other thing that I did recently was I guested on Movies After Work and got to talk about Bram Stoker's Dracula. It was with Thomas. Um, There was no Alex because he had to work. And it was basically talking about Bram Stoker's Dracula. And obviously, 
I got to talk a lot about Keanu. It was really interesting to revisit a movie that was so memorable from my youth, but just felt completely different to me now. Um, And the reason I loved it so much was I kind of feel like I got to let loose a little bit um, and be a bit filthy (laughs) for a change because obviously I'm not that on this podcast. Um, And I've always kind of been you know yeah I've been thirsty I was thirsty on black girls do stuff too but I kind of feel like I really got to let loose and just be basically say whatever I wanted which was awesome and it was brilliant fun and bless Tom he thought my jokes were all funny (laughs) and so that was a refreshing change for me uh, because he laughed at my jokes so obviously if you laugh at my jokes I'm gonna think you're brilliant um also you'll notice this episode's a bit late um it's basically because I was ill last weekend. So after I did movies after work, I had several other commitments that I had to try and do. And I think I basically got overstressed and I ended up becoming ill. Um, it didn't help as well that my day job has been really stressful um, over the past few weeks. Um, I've just been so busy at work and then I've been coming home and being busy with the podcast and sort of everything else. Um, And so that's the reason Logan's late. Um, I really don't like to put stuff out late, um, but I kind of feel like your health and your general well-being has to take priority. So um, another reason Logan's a bit later than normal is I was planning to record it, have it Logan recorded already. And I went through my notes and honestly, I wasn't happy with them. Um, I felt like I needed to talk more about the movie and talk more about certain things. And Logan is such a complex and interesting movie. I basically went back and I did more research. Um, (laughs) So basically, I'm a a perfectionist and pedant, but that takes time. So um, I feel a lot happier about it now I still feel like there's so much that I could go into um but I've got to get it out the door so it's it's kind of a needs must situation now um also like so much stuff's happened I swear to god I've just published my first review on my website which is verbaldiorama.com um it was really interesting um I think I mentioned before I got contacted by a film studio And they basically said, oh, hi, we found you on the internet. And do you want to review a movie? And I was like, what? (laughs) Um, So um, I eventually got round to reviewing um, the movie. And um, and I'm not a reviewer. And it was basically something that I was like, well, I've got an opportunity to give it a go. And so I'll give it a go. Um, It's something that I might do more of in future. But I think it's something that I need to definitely improve on. because Verbal Diorama has never been a review podcast. Um, there are loads of podcasts that do really amazing uh, movie reviews. I am not one of them. Um, I do give my opinions about the movies that I cover, but I tend to prefer to look at sort of the history and the legacy. And that's kind of what I do. That's kind of what I enjoy doing. Um, I'm not a movie reviewer. So it was a bit out of my comfort zone um, to actually review um it was a documentary movie that I reviewed um it's available on my website if you want to read it um but yeah I I definitely think it's something that I need to work on to try and improve um and hopefully I will be given opportunities to review movies again in future I just wanted to say thank you because I've had some wonderful feedback on Scott Pilgrim versus the world 
which is always lovely to hear. Um, so I just want to take this opportunity to thank everyone who's gotten in touch on social media, who's retweeted that they've been listening to Scott Pilgrim versus the world. And um, yeah, the comments I've had have been really, really wonderful, which is great because I was very nervous about covering Scott Pilgrim because it's such a visual movie and it's really difficult to explain all the little visual cues that Edgar Wright is just so fantastic at. I can, thinking about it now, there's so much that I didn't even mention, but let's grab some tissues because we're going to need them. I'm going to need them, especially um, because... I'm going to play the greatest trailer ever made. And the greatest trailer ever made was the first trailer that came out for Logan. It's soundtracked by the late, great Johnny Cash's cover of Nine Inch Nails' Hurt, um, which if you actually listen to the lyrics, it almost feels like it's written for this movie. It's so beautiful and sad and tormenting. And whoever thought of putting... Johnny Cash covering Hurt over this trailer is an absolute genius. Logan, what did you do? Charles, the world is not the same as it was. Mutants. They're gone now. I hurt myself today. To see if I still feel I focus on the pain The only thing that's real What is she? Beneath the She's like you Of time Very much like you The feelings disappear She needs our help You are Someone to come along Someone has come along. I am still right here. And you could have it all. My empire of dirt. I will let you down. Just listening to that trailer makes me feel so emotional and that's why that's the best trailer ever made. So let's get it out of the way. A little summary of Logan. If you haven't seen Logan, oh, just stop it here and go and see Logan because I am going to spoil Logan completely. Here's a summary for Logan. So the year is 2029 and mutants are no longer being born and the X-Men are no more. An ageing and alcoholic Logan, whose self-healing abilities are dwindling due to adamantium poisoning, earns a living as a limousine driver whilst caring for Charles Xavier, now suffering from dementia and seizures. A woman, who knows he's Wolverine, approaches him and begs him to take her and her young daughter to safety at the Canadian border. Logan refuses, but Charles knows who the young girl is. She is Laura. She was made using Logan's DNA and she's in terrible danger. 
Logan has to choose between hiding from the world on a boat with Charles for the rest of his life or helping a young girl finally become free and finally facing his mortality. So, cast of Logan. Obviously, we have the inimitable... In- <laughs> I'm not going to be able to say that word. Inimitable Hugh Jackman as James Howlett slash Wolverine slash Logan. Um, he is referred to as James Howlett on his driving license. That is the character's original name. Um, it's also the name that he's called in X-Men Origins Wolverine, which... I will mention several times on this podcast, um, only because canonically for the character, you kind of have to. I'll admit it's not the best movie in the world. Um, So we have Hugh Jackman. We have Sir Patrick Stewart as uh, Professor Charles Xavier. We have Daphne Keane as Laura. Rich D. Grant as Dr. Xander Rice. Boyd Holbrook as Donald Pierce and Stephen Merchant as Caliban. So the movie was directed by James Mangold. He also directed the previous Wolverine movie, uh, which was called The Wolverine. Um, I'm going to be talking about The Wolverine specifically in a bit. It was written by Scott Frank, James Mangold and Michael Green. And it's very loosely based on Mark Millar's Old Man Logan. So this movie came out after Deadpool. Um, So Deadpool was a bit of an anomaly um, because... It was basically made purely on the basis of the charm and charisma of Ryan Reynolds. Um, Ryan Reynolds and Hugh Jackman have this kind of bromance going on. It's absolutely wonderful. It would have been so amazing to see them together um, in a movie. That will probably never happen now. But So Deadpool was Fox's other R-rated X-Men hit. Now, I don't really want to go into the Disney-Fox merger, other than... I kind of feel like it's actually a bad thing when it comes to diversity and opportunity in film and future filmmaking. Um, And it's highly unlikely that we will see any kind of Disney Marvel R-rated specifically properties going forward. And honestly, I kind of feel like that's a big mistake because this character specifically, Wolverine, works best like Deadpool when he can be himself. And with Wolverine, that's, you know, a sweary, gory, rage-filled Dude, I'm delighted, though, that Fox, which at the time, a major movie studio, was so confident about this character and the story and the cast that they didn't need to preface Logan with anything related to the X-Men or Wolverine, for that matter. At this point, Fox realised that after 16 years and 228 days of X-Men movies, um, most of which starred Hugh Jackman and Patrick Stewart in some form that the audience is astute enough to know who this Logan dude is. Nor did they bulk from taking the necessary risks to keep this movie more about the characters and less about those characters saving the world from something. It feels really raw and really real. Let's talk about Logan. But specifically, let's talk about the history of Hugh Jackman playing this character. So the character has been played in Fox's X-Men universe of movies by Hugh Jackman since the year 2000 when the first X-Men movie came out. So back in the 90s, uh, Glenn Danzig was approached to play Wolverine and he basically declined because he's in a band and the band's tour schedule wouldn't allow it. Director of X-Men Brian Singer approached several actors, including Russell Crowe, who the part was uh, supposedly originally written for, Edward Norton and 
Keanu Reeves. Hello, obligatory Keanu reference. Um, Mel Gibson was considered too expensive. Doug Ray Scott was eventually cast. Um, now, Doug Ray Scott um, is probably a name that most people don't know. He was in Mission Impossible 2 at the same time. And that was kind of the reason he had to back out because there was a scheduling conflict. Um, there were reshoots for Mission Impossible 2 and he couldn't get out of them. Um, so it was actually uh, Russell Crowe who nominated Hugh Jackman and they really liked him. He was controversial. Um, he was a controversial choice for the character because he's actually a foot taller than the character is canonically in the comic books. But I think you can, we can kind of argue now that he has made the role his own um, and also successfully avoided being typecast, um, which is something that not a lot of actors can actually get away with. But Hugh Jackman is the sort of actor that he can be Wolverine, but he can also convincingly be many other roles. I mean, he's been in Les Miserables. He's been in The Greatest Showman. He's like a quadruple threat. Hugh Jackman can do anything. But specifically, he plays the role of Wolverine so well that he's become synonymous with it, really. Hugh Jackman has starred in nine X-Men movies, and he's actually now tied with Patrick Stewart. And they both have a joint world record for the longest career as live-action Marvel superheroes. And that will basically probably stand till pretty much whenever most of the current MCU roster of superheroes that started out are now essentially no longer continuing. So the likes of Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Evans um, have not surpassed Hugh Jackman and Sir Patrick Stewart. Um, so Hugh Jackman's role in the previous X-Men movies has always been a little bit divisive because instead of those movies focusing on the more primary characters of the X-Men, such as Cyclops, Jean or Storm, the movies instead focused on the nomadic Wolverine, who um, was born James Howlett in Canada in 1832. And we actually meet him as a cage fighter in Alberta. Uh, we meet him via Rogue who has run away from home after she basically puts her boyfriend into a coma. Personally, I was never really that bothered on the original X-Men movie's focus on Wolverine because Hugh Jackman always had the right amount of charisma and screen presence to pull it off and, and really feel very engaging. Um, not to mention, he always looks good with his top off. But again, that's something else. A few episodes ago, episode 11 specifically... I talked with Chin Lin from the Bingeables podcast about Dark Phoenix. Ugh. Hugh Jackman had the sense to not appear in that movie. Um, and I mentioned that I categorised the X-Men movies three ways. So originals, prequels, spin-offs. A bit like Star Wars, I guess. So of the originals, for me, X2 remains the best and really is still up there as one of the best X-Men movies for me, personally. Um, the Prequels-wise, Days of Future Past is my personal favourite. However, First Class is also excellent and just kind of nipping at the heels of Days of Future Past for me. And of the spin-offs, I'm really sorry, Deadpool, um, <laughs> because you did redeem yourself after X-Men Origins Wolverine, but it's always Logan. It's always Logan because, well, I'll explain why it's always Logan. I feel like I can't talk about Logan without first talking about its predecessor, The Wolverine, which was, as I mentioned, also directed by James Mangold and very much a movie of 
two halves because the first half I feel is really great and then the ending with the CGI samurai battle not so great because I'm never a massive fan of when you've got a massive CGI battle at the end of these movies Um, but anyway the Wolverine if you put it like as a two-part solo story for Logan it works really well and I am purposely ignoring X-Men Origins not just because I think it's a bad movie but also if you look at it it doesn't actually play any part in the story of Logan post the X-Men In The Wolverine, which is set post-X-Men The Last Stand, Logan is in mourning for the death of Jean, and Jean plays a big part in The Wolverine, basically as his inner torment, the voice that's always telling him, uh, basically, that he's always going to be a killer. Um, And his guilt for having to kill her essentially makes him a hermit. At this point, he's living in Yukon, which is the most northwesterly point of Canada, and Interestingly, um, I found out that the highest mountain in Canada is in Yukon and it's called Mount Logan, genuinely. So he's actually located by a young mutant called Yukio, whose mutant ability is to foresee a person's death. And Yukio tells Logan, all I can see is one part of a person's life, their death. And I saw yours. I see you on your back. There's blood everywhere. You're holding your own heart in your hand. We're going to come back to that. Um, Interesting, Logan's samurai sword from the Wolverine also makes an appearance in this movie. It's on the wall in the smelting mill in Mexico. In November 2013, 20th Century Fox wanted to make another Wolverine headlining movie after the success of the Wolverine and with James Mangold in negotiations to return. At this point, Hugh Jackman's contract had lapsed and he'd only agreed to do x-men days of future past however he made a comment basically saying how much he enjoyed filming the wolverine and how proud he was of that movie um he didn't actually sign on to reprise the role for logan until much much later in late 2013 james mangold confirmed his involvement with the sequel in a writing capacity only and also confirmed it would be a completely different movie and Because he and Hugh Jackman were quite good friends, they actually collaborated on ideas and developing this story. They agreed they wanted something more intimate and a story built on character and character issues rather than the typical saving the world from something kind of plot. So by March 2014, the decision was made to shoot the new as yet entitled Wolverine movie back to back with Brian Singer's X-Men Apocalypse. So Apocalypse was to be filmed in summer 2015, with the Wolverine movie either slotting in straight before or straight after, depending on script completion. James Mangold at this point confirmed he was returning to direct, and Hugh Jackman was signed to the project due to his confidence in the returning director and because he was happy with the story and the finality of his involvement with the franchise. Almost a year later, in February 2015, Patrick Stewart made mention of a Wolverine movie starring himself and Hugh Jackman as Wolverine and Charles Xavier, sort of teaming up. And he said it would be something very different to previous movies. In April of that year, Michael Green took over screenwriting duties with James Mangold overseeing the script development and that the story would involve a quasi-father-son relationship between Wolverine and Professor Xavier. In September, Mark Millar, creative consultant for Fox, confirmed the movie would be a loose adaptation of Old Man Logan. In October 2016, it was confirmed the movie would simply be called Logan. When we talk about Logan, um, 
we could start with the similarity to children of men but I won't go into that because it's on the schedule for next year to talk about children of men we could talk about the way this movie starts with the gang attack on Logan's limousine being reminiscent of the type of ultra stylistic violence of John Wick and whilst I'll take any excuse to talk about Keanu Reeves this probably isn't the most opportune moment but hey I'll take two references to Keanu in one episode I actually want to start with Logan being the most complained about movie in the UK in 2017. No joke. More people complained about Logan than anything else that year. The BBFC received 20 complaints, mainly about the violence being too strong. So the movie was classed as a 15 here. So it's equivalent to an R rating, more or less. Uh, BBFC guidelines permit strong violence at a 15 rating, provided it does not dwell on the infliction of pain or injury. The BBFC added, while the violence in Logan is strong and frequently bloody, it is also rapidly edited with a focus on action rather than sadism. The film's fantastical setting and superpowered central character further distances the violence from reality, allowing the issue to be acceptable at 15. Now, I'm not going to argue with the classification. There are much more qualified people rating movies for classification than I. Um, but I think it's important to note that Logan stands so far away from its X-Men universe. It's almost a completely different movie. Um, it just so happens to star Hugh Jackman and Patrick Stewart. It's otherwise almost completely devoid of ties to the X-Men universe. Even the X in the Fox Studios logo, which usually lights up as the familiar X-Men theme starts, just doesn't exist in this movie. It's like the franchise said, yeah, we're related, but he's more of a second cousin twice removed who we don't really speak to anymore. This approach is really interesting when you consider that Wolverine as a character was so intrinsically linked to those X-Men movies. They revolved around him. His story was the focal point of those first three movies and he was so popular they gave him spin-offs. Something that they pondered for Magneto, uh, but ultimately that never happened and the story of that eventually became X-Men First Class. As I mentioned before, the focus on Wolverine means that other characters, such as Cyclops, who's commonly seen as the leader of the X-Men, and Storm, who's one of the most recognisable characters from the comics and cartoon, are essentially reduced to limited supporting roles. Halle Berry, who was widely considered one of the most beautiful and talented actresses at the time, had almost nothing to do in the first X-Men movie other than crack silly jokes about toads being hit by lightning that were written by joss whedon um but her role was expanded significantly for x2 after she won an oscar in 2002 for monsters ball logan is a comic book movie but it's unlike anything else it's also a drama it's sci-fi it's action and it's a western as I mentioned, has no tie-ins to previous material other than the character names and the lead actors. It jettisoned cliched superhero stereotypes to tell a really human story of pain and love and loss. It doesn't care about selling merchandise or being suitable for the whole family. The violence is graphic and visceral and gory and ultimately has consequences for everyone involved. And unlike most superior movies, each character comes face to face with their own mortality. In addition, Logan trusts its audience explicitly, not just to know these characters and expect violence, but also that the audience can figure stuff out on their own, such as the question of where all the mutants are. It 
doesn't need to give off lengthy exposition and it doesn't matter what your conclusion is either. It could be a mutant-based genetic disease. It could be genocide. It could simply be the fact that mutants live shorter lives in this universe. Whatever the audience derives is the reason why born mutants are no longer exist in this world other than who we see. So Charles, Logan and Caliban. Either way, death is a very real and present danger. And it's told in a small scale because there are no worldwide extinction scenes, no massive ships in the sky, no epic battles... This is a story about one simple thing, and that's Laura's safety. The safety of an innocent child. And regardless of her ability to kill and maim in self-defence, she is still an innocent child. She didn't ask to be made in a laboratory or made into a weapon, but she's the end game here. Basically, what I'm trying to say is this movie was a massive risk for Fox. It's a massive risk which paid off in the most perfect and also heartbreaking way, not just for characters we love, but the plain and simple fact that this sort of risky, bold storytelling in a superhero universe is all but over. Um, and Marvel Studios, and by extension Disney, have big decisions to make over the future of the characters they've acquired from Fox. But as a family-friendly company, it's highly unlikely that we'll see anything of this ilk from them. And we, as the viewer, are worse off for it. As much as I would love to see Daphne Keane reprise her role as Laura as I kind of tried with my little letter at the start to Kevin Feige, it's probable that that won't happen, ever, because Disney wouldn't want to link to Logan. It's not part of their canon, and it's not what the House of Mouse would want to be associated with. And in the past, Touchstone Pictures would kind of take the riskier projects, such as I mentioned in Who Framed Roger Rabbit, but that studio is effectively dead um, and has been since 2016. Although this was a massive risk for Fox... Um, it was a risk that paid off, both critically and commercially. Um, and Fox has had its highest highs and lowest lows with the X-Men franchise generally. I kind of feel like I've covered the lowest low with Dark Phoenix. I'm now covering the highest high with Logan. So Logan was made for $97 million and it made $619 million worldwide. So massive success. It also sits on Rotten Tomatoes at 93%, which is the highest for any X-Men movie ever, closely followed by Days of Future Past at 90%. This is a movie that, as I mentioned, it has high stakes. It has real-world stakes. Um, it also has very real-world relationships. And I want to talk about those relationships specifically, and I want to talk about the pairings of certain characters that, without this movie, would not work. First of all, I want to talk about Logan and Charles, uh, because Logan and Charles is probably the most heartbreaking relationship in the entire movie. The only survivors we know of, of the Westchester incident um, that Charles doesn't remember and Logan doesn't want to have to tell him. Uh, Logan, as I mentioned, is now essentially Charles's carer um, and Caliban obviously helps out um, in the meantime. Um, so the movie is so wonderful because of how much it humanises Logan and Charles. We know that they're both super powerful mutants who've essentially saved the world many times over. And now they're facing real world issues, ongoing, incurable, chronic illness. Um, the stakes in this movie are real. Um, Charles's Alzheimer's specifically um, is even more devastating because we know the character has spent his entire life protecting and fighting for mutants um, and fighting for peace. And now he struggles to even remember where he is or who he is. And seeing this 
great characters, the painful reality and the humanity is heartbreaking and so achingly realistic. Again, it's those real world stakes, that knowledge and pain that comes from knowing a friend or family member with some form of dementia, uh, knowing that the person they are is all but gone. Um, it, it is truly heartbreaking and I feel like I might cry at any moment, but I'm not going to. Um, but it grounds the movie in reality and it makes it anyone can understand the pain that these characters are going through. The constant reminder um, for Charles to take his medication um, and for Logan to source that medication. Um, and in the UK, we are lucky. We have the NHS. It's a wonderful service. They do wonderful work. And if you need medicine, you can go and you can you can go to your GP and you can get that medicine and it's available and it's affordable. And But in this universe, Logan is resorting to essentially black market medication for Charles. Um, but he's trying his best. You know, Logan at this point in the movie is 197 years old. And, and Charles is in his 90s. He doesn't say specifically, but he does mention he's a nonagenarian. Um, so these are old men being forced to carry on living in a world where their history has been reduced to comic book stories. Stories that, according to Logan, aren't even accurate. What I love the most is Logan prioritising Charles. Even though you see his frustration at having to look after this this old man, you can see how much he loves him and how much he respects him. Um, in the scenes at the Munson family home where X-24, the Wolverine clone, has taken Laura. So he has Laura in um, cuffs, in chains. Uh, Laura can't escape. Logan still prioritises Charles. And his insistence to Charles as he's been stabbed by X-24, it wasn't me. Jesus Christ, if that doesn't break you, then you have no heart. Oh, my God. And for Charles to die so full of regret... Oh. <laughs> Seriously, it's really setting me off, and I'm just thinking about it. It's not what the audience would have wanted for Professor Xavier, for this great man. But it's what makes this movie so amazing. And the movie is brave enough to do that, to show that ultimately this all-powerful mutant was, in the end, just a man. Fallibility and all. I want to move on, and I want to talk now about Logan and Laura, which probably is going to make me even more emotional. <laughs> so I'm going to try and rein it in. So Logan who at first doesn't even want anything to do with Laura. Um, he doesn't want to acknowledge her as anything. He doesn't want to help her, sort of let alone once he finds out that she's his child. Um, and his love for her grows slowly um, as he starts to understand her. And he also starts to try to teach her. Um, so because she's grown up in a lab, so she's been devoid of love, of human interaction. And the only love she got was from her nurse, Gabriella the woman who helped her escape and Logan by this point is a completely broken man um he was this sort of ultra famous member of the x-men um and he's now a barely recognizable shell of himself you know he's an old man and he's slowly being poisoned to death by adamantium and he finds this young girl a girl who's just like him in every way who's ultimately destined to meet the same fate as him and he can choose to walk away and leave her to 
whatever fate decides. But thanks to Charles, Logan not only ends up accepting Laura as a mutant and as an equal, but also as his daughter. And at the very end, as he's literally holding his heart in his hands, he ends up, he ends his life being selfless and brave and despite his best efforts to the contrary for years and years, a hero and also a father, as Laura finally calls him daddy. And he literally holds his heart in his hands. James Mangold has confirmed that he set this up. Um, and it is so wonderful to see such characters who are so full of rage for quite a lot of this movie and an uncontrollable rage and to see them together and to see them acknowledge each other as father and daughter Whew. okay we're going to move on to Charles and Laura so Charles and Laura is probably the most heartwarming story of all because Charles is communicating with Laura telepathically um, despite his dementia. Um, he knows of her existence. He kind of senses her. Um, and Logan and Caliban are just insistent that he's just a senile old man. And as soon as Charles meets Laura, he welcomes her straight away. And it's like they have this instant bond. Um, and wonderful little details, like when they're trying to get away, Laura's shielding Charles from bullets. So she basically climbs over this... 90 odd year old man and shields him from bullets um as they're trying to escape from the alkali transigen uh, goons um and charles sharing his love for the movie shane with laura because he's essentially her biggest champion um it's almost like he's obsessed with her um because she's a new mutant because mutants haven't been born for so many years it's almost like he's reverting back to his younger days when he used to take care of young mutants and he used to look after them and teach them and bring them into his fold and it's it's almost like it gives him this reimagined sense of life um, and of purpose he almost becomes younger in in those uh, scenes with Laura because he gets she brings him so much joy and it's so wonderful to see oh that's actually made me feel a lot better <laughs> I was starting to get a bit down and now I feel okay because the, the idea of thinking of Charles and Laura together just they really do bring joy to each other um you know and it's clear that she adores him as well um and finally the family dynamic so uh, Logan Charles and Laura as a family um and this is where other superhero movies tend to fail because when you have an ensemble cast, there's always one character that dominates this kind of hierarchy. But with Logan, Charles and Laura, they work so well together. They feel like a genuine family because there is the familial bickering. The scenes with the Munson family are simultaneously perfect and heartbreaking. But when you see logan charles and laura you desperately want them to be that family the family that they talk about with the munsons additionally laura herself um is completely mute until about one hour 30 minutes into the movie and before that um daphne keen expresses everything wordlessly she is phenomenal in this movie and i don't think she's actually given the amount of credit that she should be given because she's up against seasoned actors like Patrick Stewart, who's obviously had a stage and screen career spanning over 50 years. 
and Hugh Jackman. And this is an astonishing accomplishment from an 11-year-old. Daphne Keane, her performance gets more expressive and interesting on each viewing of this movie. She's also bilingual, so Daphne Keane herself has a British father and a Spanish mother, so she's fluent in Spanish. Um, And her first line in Spanish to Logan in the car translates as, and this is quite interesting, why do you want me to talk if you're always insulting me, yelling at me, if you try to leave me behind? You want me to open my mouth? And then (laughs) Logan tells her to be quiet. There's so much nuance in this movie that I could talk about. Um, I haven't even mentioned the special effects used to make the very gorgeous Hugh Jackman look older and tired. Um, I haven't talked about the fantastic fight choreography, um, especially for Laura, who's an absolute badass in the first fight scene where she's basically hunted down by a load of soldiers and just sits eating cornflakes. Again, Daphne Keene is such a standout in this movie. Her side-eye game is on point. She just knows everything she has to do to hunt and to kill. You know, they made Laura. They should know that she's this good. And then she just kind of nonchalantly chucks a severed head at the feet of uh, Donald Pierce. I haven't talked about Caliban much, really, um, or Donald Pierce, or Xander Rice, um, for that matter. And they are all good, But this is the Hugh, Patrick and Daphne show. Um, And it exceeds every expectation you could have because it has its funny moments. Believe me, I know that I've sounded like I'm just about to cry, but it does have some really funny moments in this movie. It has its action moments, which are so superbly choreographed and it has its heart-achingly sombre moments. Um, I cry at this movie every single time. I was very close to crying (laughs) a little while ago, Um, mainly because you see how much Logan is suffering and you just want it to end for him. You want him to be at peace. And knowing he knows that his daughter is safe gives him that peace. If only other superhero movies could be this personal and have these sort of real world stakes that every single one of us understands. Ultimately, although Logan is a brutal story of pain humanity it also has a message of hope um, that the next generation can do better so those kids that cross the border into Canada have a chance at a decent life and to be free from persecution despite what they were made for they were born to be killers but they can grow and learn and not be what they were made to be unlike Logan himself who felt like he could never get away from being a killer Because being given freedom from oppression or trying to give your children a better life is all Gabriella wants for Laura. And honestly, that's all anyone would want. Um, And that's why people coming from a place of privilege shouldn't build walls, whether they be metaphorical or physical. Sorry to make it topical, but it's true. Because if the tables were turned, they'd do the same. One of the things that I was quite upset about with Logan specifically was awards recognition because I felt like the movie did get several awards but I felt like with the big awards with the Oscars and the BAFTAs specifically um, I felt it was slightly overlooked Um, so it ended up it was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Adapted Screenplay Um, it actually lost to Call Me By Your Name it didn't get nominated for any BAFTAs which is disappointing And the final thing that I want to talk about is I want to talk about Logan Noir. 
Um, so Logan itself takes inspiration um, not only from classic westerns, but also noir cinema. So James Mangold specifically wanted to style the movie like a living comic book. And so Logan Noir specifically had a limited theatrical run in May 2017. Logan was shot in colour and it was regraded and timed shot for shot for this special black and white edition of Logan. Logan Noir is well worth a watch. Not a lot of movies translate well from colour to black and white, but the style and raw grit of Logan is perfect in black and white. I highly recommend it if you've seen Logan uh, but haven't seen Logan Noir please give Logan Noir a watch because I guarantee you will enjoy it. Wow, I feel like there's so much more that I need to say about Logan that I haven't said. And it's really difficult to be sitting here thinking about a movie that affects me so much as Logan does that why can't, why can't I think of anything else to say? Um, so I'll tell you what, I will pass over to social media thoughts on Logan because I had loads of them. Um, a lot of people have thoughts on Logan. Hey, um, this is Andy from the Geek Salad Podcast. Hello to all of the Verbal Diorama listeners out there. Um, I wanted to give my thoughts on the movie Logan real quick. I don't want to steal any of M's thunder because I know she's going to do a phenomenal job with this. But my impression of of Logan, the movie, um, is that it might be truly the best R-rated superhero movie for adults. Um, by which I mean I'm not trying to discount uh, how amazing Deadpool or Deadpool 2 were. But there's also an aspect where kids, if you're a bad parent, um, might enjoy those movies. With Logan, it's it's different. Logan is an actual, real movie. It has very little to do with the superheroing. It just kind of just happens. The claws just kind of happen, um, and it just is. It's a great story about two old cowboys. In, in this case, Logan and Charles Xavier, just trying to find a way to die with with some semblance of dignity left. And uh, on the way, when they, when they pick up Laura, he, he's been given something, it, maybe if not to live for, but something to sacrifice himself for, to give himself that last ounce of worth. Uh, thematically, this movie is just, it's astoundingly made. And while I've, I have discussed this with M, that we have both watched the noir version which is the black and white take on this that's available on the Blu-ray. If you haven't done that, please do yourself a favor and watch it. It's not just simply Logan with the absence of color. The the, the shades, the tones, it just it just looks like a Cassavetes film, which it's just, it's, it's just it's beautiful. It's very difficult for me not to gush so much about this movie because this isn't my show, but I really feel like Logan itself is just such a fantastic movie and the character, the growth, the fact that Laura becomes his surrogate daughter by the end of the movie is just fantastic and this is the way that X-Men should have gone out. Thank you very much for listening to me and, and uh, have a great day and enjoy Verbal Diorama. I'm going to go over to Twitter. 
And the first comment I had is from the guys over at I Understood That Reference podcast, which is at Cap Understands. They said, Logan has a hint of the comics, Old Man Logan, mixed with the good parts of the X-Men movies, Jackman and Patrick Stewart, and leaves the viewers with a genuine emotional moment that can't be taken away by any future movies. Great movie, great trailer, and great send-off. Agreed. At Trivia Chic said, It had a depth other X-Men movies could only dream of. You could feel Logan's weariness, his long years almost transferred to you, in some ways, I'm not qualified to judge it Oscar-worthy or not, but it was a great human story I was happy to watch. Derek, over at The Midnight Myth, uh, at Derek Jones 198 said, I'm a lifelong X-Men fan and Logan is easily one of my faves. Not only is it an effective deconstruction of the Wolverine character in the X-Men franchise, it's also an amazing Western. One part R-rated, one part X-Men, one part Western. What isn't to love? At Movies Work, which is Movies After Work. I trouble feeling the weight because... With all the random reshuffling of timelines, I couldn't be sure what from former movies was canon and what wasn't. And this is interesting because X-Men Days of Future Past did effectively jumble up the timelines. Um, But I think with a movie like Logan, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what the timeline is or which timeline you're in. It's a movie, like I said, that is so not linked to that universe whilst being linked to that universe. It really doesn't matter. I think you can enjoy Logan without even thinking about the timeline it is in. Um, For me, personally, it's so detached from everything else. That's just my opinion. Uh, At Robin Hood Pod, uh, the Better Than Robin Hood podcast said, I loved so much about this film. I agree it's one of the best. Seeing Professor X so weakened and vulnerable was a great new take on things for me. I also liked how the story felt much smaller than the more usual the world is ending plots of x-men films at cinema recall said logan proved without a doubt the comic book movies could be more than just action yarn i'm so glad studios took a chance with this one have you seen logan noir i think it has more weight in black and white completely agree logan noir is perfect at kevin the critic said i nearly cried at the ending never read a wolverine can't mix before I think he means comic. Um, (laughs) But seeing the character get a great send-off made me happy and sad because it was the last time he's played him. I wouldn't have it any other way. Logan rules. A genuine chit-chat said, Logan was not only the best X-Men film, but one of the best superhero films out there. Much like Dark Knight, it feels like a very real movie and unlike much of the MCU, Logan doesn't have a shiny gloss to it. It packs a punch without holding back. It's a breath of fresh air. At S-S-O-U-I-T-S podcast said, Logan was fantastic, but a very depressing end for Patrick Stewart's Professor X. I wanted to see more of Laura in future projects, but that's obviously no longer on the cards due to the Disney acquisition. Also, I respectfully disagree that it's the best X-Men movie. I think it's Days of Future Past. Obviously, Days of Future Past, very much up there for me, uh, but it doesn't carry the emotional weight that Logan does. Again, just my personal opinion. At GTTH pod said this was a tense, emotional, well-crafted movie, something the X-Men needed desperately when it comes to their movies. There was a lot of weight and an ageing Logan carried it perfectly, a swan song he deserved. Over on Instagram, at those movie guys podcast, it was a breath of fresh air in superhero cinema. I feel it was the Logan movie we always deserved, a hard eye yet full of heart and family and that black and white version is stunning. And finally, at Movies at the Mat, 
it came out over two years ago, and I still feel low. I'm, I'm unpacking it. It's a superhero movie, a Western, a story about family, grief, and legacy, all from a franchise that's kind of a mixed bag. The best superhero movies find a way to discuss real-world issues like their comic book counterparts, but Logan did it with such raw emotion. It's wonderful. Oh, and as magnificent as Hugh Jackman and Patrick Stewart are, Daphne Keene somehow ends up being the best one. And I wholeheartedly agree, because as I mentioned, Daphne Keene is outstanding in this movie. I just want to have a bit of a final shout out for Hugh Jackman, because Hugh Jackman has essentially retired from this role now. Um, He said that we're never going to see him as Wolverine again. Um, And I think that's fair um, when you've played a character for... At this point, at the point of this movie, he played Wolverine for 17 years. Um, during that time, he's been through some um, personal traumas, um, a cancer scare, for example, and just the sheer uh, body transformation that he would have to do. Um, because if you look at Wolverine in the X-Men movies, sort of starting with the original X-Men in 2000, and how different he looks, because he gets more jacked (laughs) for each movie. And for me, I mean, that's great, because I get to look at Hugh Jackman looking really buff. But for him, it must be an absolute nightmare to have to train and eat sensibly to try and get that physique every single time. And I feel like for Logan specifically, he didn't have to do so much of that, because a lot of it was he was portraying uh, an older version of the character. So he didn't have to look as buff as he did in the Wolverine specifically, which is probably the most buff that he looks as the character. But you've got to give the man some credit and Patrick Stewart to an extent as well. But for Patrick Stewart, he's never kind of had to lead um, a franchise like uh, Hugh Jackman has. And Hugh Jackman just deserves so much respect not only for being Wolverine but also being the person who wanted so much more for a character and wanted to have the best version of the character for the movie and he wasn't going to sign up for it if Logan wasn't the Logan that the audience deserved to see and I think that's really admirable because I think it's really easy for anyone to take a quick paycheck and go yeah I'll play a character again in a substandard movie where the characters aren't very well written and the 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 stakes aren't realistic enough and I think for this movie um, I think he knew that this was a fitting swan song for not only the character of Logan but also for himself playing the character of Logan and I think that well I think Hugh Jackman's wonderful anyway um, but I think that it's just it's a really perfect movie, guys. <laughs> it's really, really good. Um, so, oh my God, I feel I still feel like there's so much that I could say. Um, it's it's such a wonderful movie. Um, also, Daphne Keane um, is going to be in the HBO BBC um, adaptation of His Dark Materials. And I've seen a trailer just recently and it looks so good. And then Daphne Keene popped up and I was like, oh my God, Daphne Keene. So we know Daphne Keene is excellent. We know she's going to be awesome in his dark materials. But yeah, she is definitely one to watch out for because I think she is a young actress who is going to go far. And I think that we're going to be hearing more about Daphne Keene in the future. Um, but okay, I'm, <laughs> I'm running a bit longer than I wanted to. Um Right, so I will finish. Thank you for listening. Um, 
as always i would love to hear your thoughts on logan so episode 20 is next and that will be coming out shortly um and I always like to say there are no losers on this podcast, um, unless you're daybreakers or passengers, <laughs> because uh, I haven't got round to either of those yet, even though I said that I would. But Edge of Tomorrow is going to be next. And basically, I did a poll on Twitter as to what was uh, going to be the next episode when I was doing Logan, which was either Logan or Edge of Tomorrow. And I wanted to do both. So I'm doing both. Um, Edge of Tomorrow because Emily Blunt and um, I'm very much looking forward to talking about Edge of Tomorrow and Tom Cruise I kind of feel like I'm going to talk about this quite a lot in Edge of Tomorrow but this is my favorite Tom Cruise and I feel like I'm always really hard on Tom Cruise but only because I know he can do better because he can do stuff like this um, and it's better than the standard Tom Cruise action running quippy explosion stuff Basically, what I'm saying is I'm strict with you, Tom, because I know you have it in you to be great. <laughs> that didn't sound condescending at all. If you like this episode, I've also done episodes on, <clears throat> here we go, Titan AE, Captain Marvel, Dread, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow, Pleasantville, The Cabin in the Woods, Speed, Aladdin 1992-2019, Pirates of the Caribbean, The Curse of the Black Pearl, X-Men Dark Phoenix, Charlie's Angels 2000, The Mummy 1999, The Matrix, John Carter, Willow, The Iron Giant and Scott Pilgrim vs. The World. And they can all be downloaded wherever you get your podcasts from. You can follow me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube and Letterboxd at Verbal Diorama. You can email me general hellos, feedback or suggestions, verbaldiorama at gmail.com. My website, finally mentioning it, yay, verbaldiorama.com. Um, as I said, there's a movie review on there. Have a read, see if you like. Um, hopefully there will be more. If you like what I do and you want to leave me a great review, you can do so on iTunes or Apple Podcasts specifically. And I would really appreciate that. And finally, soon I'm going to be featured in a column at Film Stories magazine which is an independent British movie magazine. Obviously, I'd love it if you could support that magazine and the wonderful people who work on it by popping over to filmstories.co.uk slash magazine, where you can purchase one-off copies, of the back catalogue, or you can subscribe. Um, you might see me pop up in a future issue. And if you're a fellow indie movie podcaster, you might see yourself pop up in my recommendations section. I feel like the only fitting way to end this episode is Laura's eulogy for Logan. This is taken from the movie Shane. There's no living with a killing. There's no going back from it. Right or wrong, it's a brand. A brand that sticks. There's no going back. Now, you run on home to your mother and tell her. Tell her everything's alright. And there aren't any more guns in the valley. Bye, guys. Movie should know. Movie should talk.